All right, everybody, welcome back. It's Monday. I'm still sick, but I'm going to power through. <laughs> Lots to talk about. Despite my best advice, he is going to, in fact, power through. The news is too interesting. What are you going to do? You know? Yeah. We've got, um, there were lots of reactions over the weekend to Google's layoffs and how they were handled and also just the reckoning coming to the culture that in many ways Google created. Yeah, we have tons of TikTok videos. People are trying to process uh, this massive layoff by Google after Microsoft and Salesforce and Amazon and Facebook. And um, we have a, a talk about perhaps reaching peak employment. Feels like we've reached peak employment. It does. And that feeling is only exacerbated by the rise of open AI and chat GPT and how quickly AI is progressing. Microsoft codified its deal with open AI. So we have a couple new details about that, including that open AI will be, will have a lot more access to a lot more real time information. Elliott management, uh, the activist investors also made a multi billion dollar deal to invest in Salesforce. I think we all know what that means. Uh, and this is after other activist investors got involved with Google, which resulted in layoffs. Now it looks like Elliott Management uh, is going to probably pressure Salesforce to make some more cuts. I got to say, I thought Salesforce was untouchable for so long that this is a pretty big deal. And then finally, we have a cool and creepy and fascinating and super useful. We live in the future. NVIDIA made a kind of insane update to their broadcast 1.4 software. AI generated eye contact. Yes, you, you don't have to get trained on this anymore. Uh, you can just have the software do it. It's going to be rich. Stick with us. This Week in Startups is brought to you by Embroker's startup insurance program helps startups secure the most important types of insurance at a lower cost and with less hassle. Save up to 20% off of traditional insurance today at Embroker.com slash twist. And while you're there, get an extra 10% off using offer code twist. LinkedIn Jobs. A business is only as strong as its people, and every hire matters. Post your first job for free at linkedin.com slash twist. And Meowtel. Traveling soon? Book a local and insured sitter on Meowtel, the number one cat sitting app. Save $25 on your first booking with code twist25. All right, everybody. I can't believe it's Monday. I'm still sick. God, you this really are. This is the worst sickness I've had, perhaps in my life. I mean, uh, this is like five COVID, five times or 10 times COVID. Mm. I've lost my voice, just upper respiratory, uh, but it's broken. So over the weekend, it broke and I've been steaming. And uh, yeah. You're I'm, on the road I'm to good. recovery. I've got another friend who has this right now and it is scary. Yeah. It's got, I definitely am like, I'm... Don't, yeah, I'm either not going to leave the house or wear a mask everywhere because it seems bad, 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 bad. There anyway, is, I'm glad you're feeling uh, better. This upper respiratory um, thing has been going around. I probably got it from the kids. Um, RSV. RSV, man. Yeah. Um, and so, which is interesting because at the same time this is all happening, there seems to be some ongoing debate and not just amongst like, French people of like, did the vaccines work? I don't want to open that whole thing up here. But um, there's like a whole, like what actually happened during COVID? And because well, the, the vaccines, vaccines obviously are not super effective in preventing you from getting something, but they do mitigate the... They're not for RSV though. No, 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 not that Oh, you mean I'm like because there's this whole like sickness this, right now. Yeah, there seems to be a whole um, re... 
hashing of, you know, who were the smart people, the people who took the vaccine or the people who didn't take the vaccine. And so I'm trying, people are trying to drag me into this conversation. Don't get dragged into that conversation. Who the hell knows? Because. Well, it's hard to ask the dead ones. Right. So there's this concept. So there's that. People did die from it. And there's also COVID has been like four or five major waves and different versions. Yeah. So they said the whole time it's going to get. They said COVID was going to get weaker and weaker, right? That's the trajectory of these. Mm-hmm. And that's like a pretty well-known fact. So if you're comparing the version people are getting now to the version people were getting at the start, it's like two different goalposts. Um, and so your decision-making might be very different now than it was during the height of this thing, right? Right. Um, I mean- And then we also know stuff about age, like what age- we definitely know things really about age and happen. comorbidities. I mean, it's yeah. like unvaccinated people had 13 and 53 times the risks for infection and death, respectively. So you were 53 times more likely to die from COVID if you were unvaccinated, yeah. according to the CDC. I mean, you know, like nobody ever. I think we also sort of. I, I don't what what is wrong with me? Why would I sit here and get drawn into this conversation? I'm well, I one, do think people I'm feel totally like of guilty. Yeah. I am 100% guilty of being like, I'm, I got four freaking boosters. Like, why do I have to still worry about getting this you thing? Did four I thought, boosters? Wow. I mean, I've had four shots, I think. I right? did three. Uh, I did one booster, I guess. I ha- I'm, you know, at this yeah. point, it's like, you know, my ex-husband's one of those people. He's like, we got to get them all or whatever. Um, wow. And, you know, that thing with my mom and how it's definitely going to kill her way sooner as a yeah. result, because it's done so much damage to her body. And yeah, she was vaccinated, no you know, about, yeah. yeah, like, I mean, I think, I think there's no, I don't think there's any doubt in the scientific community. Like ask any doctor, like my friend's husband is an ER doctor. The people who are in the hospital dying from COVID yeah. are unvaccinated, period. Mm. Like, it's just that simple. It doesn't mean like the COVID vaccine, maybe the mistake was thinking you wouldn't ever get it. Yeah. And that well, might have been of, a failure a of bit, communication. Yeah. They may be yeah. oversold it a little bit, but like, you know, everybody, yeah. you get a flu shot, you could still get the flu. Like yeah, they, people they sort seem, of know that they seem to think, I think at the beginning that, you know, everybody was going to be a blocker and you were not going to get it and you were not going to transmit it. And, you know, it was more like it's going to prevent you from dying. It's going to lower the risk of death. mortality. Yeah. But I just wish people would do some more research on this. Like, oh, maybe we should fund some research. I just I wish just, they would do some more actual like marketing and information about it because <laughs> the research exists. Well, I don't think we know. Um, like you know, remember when they did the nine eleven commission? Like they kind of like did a a really oh, yes. full. I wish we would get a commission. Hundred percent. We need to do like a nine eleven style commission on this because it became so partisan. And then you add to it conspiracy theories, and then you add to it, it changes constantly. Like it would be great if they just did like a nine eleven style commission. I felt like the nine eleven commission did a really good job. Yes, of like what we knew, when we knew it, how we can avoid it in the future. It wasn't like partisan. It was. Very informational. So anyway, I completely agree. We need a COVID nineteen commission badly, 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 and I hope we don't let that just like die. I, I hope we don't let that fall by the wayside. Uh, maybe it's just the like uh, detective in me. I just would really yeah. like to know if this was pangolins or a lab leak or whatever in between. I just want to know where it came from so we can avoid it in the future. I'm a hundred percent open to a commission that truly finds that out and tells us. Yeah, tell us. What's like happened? just yeah, I'm with you. Listen, I've been dealing with business insurance for three decades, I kid you not. Switching providers has always been a nightmare. Too expensive, takes too much time, and and often doesn't guarantee you're going to get any better coverage. But now, 
you can make switching radically simple with Embroker. Embroker is the perfect destination for industry-tailored commercial insurance. It's business insurance specifically for startups. Yes, you're listening to This Week in Startups. That's why they're here. That's why we're here. Embroker's single application will help your startup get four quotes for four lines of coverage in but 15 minutes. They match you with expert brokers for unmatched service that goes well beyond your policy. And listen, Embroker is so amazing. I use it. Again, it's just like a testimonial here. I use it. I love it. My team loves it. Makes life easy. Try Embroker today with the code TWIST and you get 10% off their startup package. Embroker.com slash twist. Embroker, E-M-B-R-O-K-E-R.com slash twist. And use that promo code TWIST for 10% off. We love the product. Thanks for supporting us for so many years here at This Week in Startups. All right. Um, in other important news in our industry, these Google mm-hmm. layoffs um, were quite significant. And there has been a lot of hand-wringing about it over the last couple of days. Mm-hmm. And I think it's worth us double-clicking on because to set the table for this, as we've discussed, Google created the culture of entitlement in Silicon Valley. This is a known fact. They said, let's make a campus. Let's provide Neiman Ranch steaks. Let's put an infinite swimming pool in and volleyball. And you'll never want to leave the campus because Mm -hmm. our employees are so dedicated. We just want to make it like you don't even have to grow up. You can be Peter Pan here. We'll do your, we'll give you dinner, three square meals a day. You know, lots of got Wi Fi on the buses. You never have to stop working. Um, you know, it was, yeah. Yeah. Just go all in and don't worry about doing any other work. It's, and it was cynical, right? To get you to work more. And it was also a result of them having a money printing machine. They yes. never had to think about costs because, my Lord, so many people were using Google and so many people were clicking on ads that. It was irrelevant. The spend for that business was largely irrelevant. Yep. And then all of a sudden, all at once, like a bolt of lightning from the sky, mm-hmm. yep. it was no longer irrelevant. And on Friday, mm-hmm. Google uh, laid off over kind of on Friday and over the weekend, Google laid off 12,000 people, roughly sent an email uh, to the company staff. Sundar Pichai, uh, Google CEO, sent an email on Friday saying that they would lay off these 20,000, these 12,000 people reaching a total number of about 28,000 roles, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, And then these layoffs, you know, a couple things about this have been really interesting. The reverberations of the layoffs have been nonstop. And because I think there were a couple big differences. One, when Meta and Amazon both had huge layoffs recently, those were leaked, which means they were effectively announced in advance. Mm. So people were a little bit prepared mm-hmm. for these layoffs. And those companies were fairly transparent about the divisions within the company that would be cut. The information about the Google layoffs was not leaked or announced in advance. It was effectively announced at the same time the layoffs were happening. Yeah. And even in some, in even like a teeny bit after. <laughs> Some of them happened. And then the um, cuts themselves were not confined to any particular low performing division or, you know, area that we knew they wanted to restructure. It was like really. uh, I know someone, you know, like a very high level 
high performing employee who got cut off, who got cut. And then there were sort of lower level, like last in, first out kind of layoffs. But it was like, it did not feel that there was a big kind of rhyme or reason. Yeah. And so as a result, and then Sundar Pichai's statement about it was very vague, right? He said, we've undertaken a rigorous review across product areas and functions to ensure that our people and roles are aligned with our highest priorities as a company. The roles we're eliminating reflect the outcome of that review. They cut across alphabet product areas, functions, levels, and regions. It was just like, anywhere you are, you're not safe. Nobody's safe, yeah. And so then as a result, there has been collective of, of everything you said, right? About how yeah. like <laughs> how happy and cushy it was to be there. And yeah. this kind of like haphazard and extremely abrupt execution. Oh my God, people are losing their minds. It, the, multiple things can be true at the same time. Yeah. Um, what makes this very unique is the culture of entitlement and the packages at Google were so extraordinary. And again, who cr- and again, who created the culture of entitlement? Manage. Mm-hmm. So not created by the employees. This was offered to the employees. And obviously, they took the matcha lattes. They took the dry cleaning. They, they totally. took what was offered to them. They as rode any their little bikes. <laughs> Whatever it is, you know, they, you know, um, this was Google's strategy is to make it so good to work there that you would never think of leaving or it'd be very difficult to leave. Yeah. For them to then cut people off was shocking to those people. But for the rest of the world, they're watching this or even in the rest of tech, a lot of people are watching this and going like, are these people for real? Mm-hmm. Or like, um, there was this um a day in the life of trend on tiktok where people would say like here's my day and i go to the gym and i go to a yoga room and then i get my matcha latte and i do and people found it let's be honest a lot of people found it offensive yeah of how good these people had it how well paid they are so there's a little schadenfreude schadenfreude Freud. Schadenfreude, mm-hmm. uh, occurring here but what's very unique about this in the in the google case is they're all going to tiktok right. i mean and explaining what happened uh, and this one is Kimberly Diaz. Um, we, we didn't contact her, so we assume this is a real TikTok. Um, and that this isn't an actor doing it, but uh, she's done a ton of videos. And here's 61 seconds of her talking about her layoff. We cut this down a little bit for brevity. I was on a client site, client visit. I had dinner the night before with a client and I was specifically working for YouTube. What I was doing was working with influencers and creators. Dinner the night before, like meeting all the way up to the CMO. So we had a great dinner and I was like, okay, great. Um, I'll be there tomorrow. And my uh, colleagues who were also on the business trip that weren't impacted, thank God. I get up at like 6 a.m. or so and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna put the final touches on the presentation and then I'm gonna get ready for this 10 a.m. call. And so I couldn't get into my email, but for some reason, my chat still worked. I think I got in it before they closed it down because it was so early. So I texted my colleague who was there, who was also leading the meeting to be like, hey, are you having an issue with your email? Here's my phone number. And then maybe 10 minutes later, I got a follow-up email from Google that was like, your position's eliminated effective immediately. And so she was kind enough to share her credit card with me so I could like change my flight and, and get home as soon as possible. And that speaks to the caliber of people that are at Google. Your reaction, Molly? I heard a similar story. So, and again, this is the kind of, um, it is not uncommon when you get laid off to then lose access to your work accounts, right? That's like a super standard layoff procedure. Yeah. What seems to have happened at Google is that they 
turned off people's access, laid them off, then announced the layoffs. Like Ooh. there seems to be some ordering things that are happening here. Yeah. Um, but it all, it is also interesting that seemingly as we watch more of uh, this woman's videos, she works in creator partnerships at YouTube and YouTube is one of, of course, Google's fastest growing segments, but according to reports is not profitable. Hmm. So maybe they were, you know, I mean, like, again, we don't know. There hasn't been a lot of transparency and, and on some level, they don't have to tell us what divisions they're cutting and why and whatever. But yeah, I mean, what's super interesting about this is that like this Google has had not only this culture of, of I'm so like allergic to that word entitlement and I'm trying to figure out a better uh, word, even though I guess luxury, it is that, right? Like, yeah, like luxurious luxury. existence. I don't know. Luxury. Yeah. And also, and, and cushy, cushy and kind of, I mean, I guess entitlement, like as a, as the literal definition of the word entitlement goes, yes, that is the best word here. Untaxing. And they've, and they've also had this like culture of outspokenness and, you know, it's sort of, it's funny because we used to speculate like way back in the day when I was at Marketplace, like the, we would speculate that it's because of stock compensation that tech employees got this sense of entitlement also, right? It was like, oh, we're, we're owners here. We're shareholders. Like mm -hmm. we are just as entitled as anybody else to like have our yeah. opinion about the way things are, have been, been run and Google in particular has got an outspoken employee base. Oh, they do. Yeah. And now they have an outspoken laid off employee base pulling no punches out here naming names you know this woman went on to make another video calling it corporate greed there was like one about a big investor who thought they should have made more cuts like yeah. this is not landing that well out in the world so there's a lot of cognitive dissonance i mean that's yeah. really i think challenging for people um now there's no way to do a layoff correctly there are only unless like, you're Airbnb. degrees of poorly that you airbnb can nailed it I maintain forever. Airbnb did it perfectly at the beginning of the pandemic, but yes. Uh, so you can, you know, nobody is complaining about the severance packages and all these TikTok videos and everything. People are like, oh my God, this is incredible, the severance. 100%. So great job there. But you do have to take people's access off. There seems to be some consensus in HR that like, you can't let people back into the building. You have to do it on Friday. You got to do it at like whatever time so that you don't have the office, God forbid, some office violence occurs or some sabotage occurs, there seems mm -hmm. to be some legal insurance, best practice that's now been established that it has to be swift. And there is no goodbyes, there's no goodbye party, unless people self organize it, there's no hanging around the office, which yeah. is different than Google did it in the past when they did their last like little quiet riff. They had said, you know, you have like 60 days to find another job. So go explore other jobs. In this case, they were just sort of cutthroat about it. If you're a small business owner or you manage hiring at your company, you know that success in 2023 all depends on the team members that you surround yourself with. That's obvious. And this is why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can hire qualified candidates more efficiently. You know, they match open roles with the people who have the skills, values, and experience that you're looking for. LinkedIn has now, wait for it, 875 million members, and they are the most qualified people at every level of employment. And if you have a strong following like me, you can add that purple hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. And watch how much inbound you get. 
It happens so quickly. We love their easy to use tools, screening questions that filters out the non-serious candidates. It's so simple. The most qualified people in the world are on LinkedIn and a bunch of them are looking for opportunities right now. So go find amazing candidates today. In 2023, you want to fill your team with amazing candidates you find on LinkedIn jobs because you need to be lean and mean. And that's exactly what we did at launch. We found some of our best team members on LinkedIn. Here's your call to action. LinkedIn jobs helps you find qualified candidates you want to talk to and it helps you do that faster. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash twist. That's linkedin.com slash T-W-I-S-T to post your first job listing free. Of course, terms and conditions do apply. Um, but there's a cognitive dissonance here between why is a company that's so wildly profitable with so much cash making these cuts? And that's, right. I think, what she points out in her next video, uh, which we can play here really quick, which is mm-hmm. why is this happening if they're so profitable? answer why layoffs are happening and that is corporate greed carbs don't count this week before i went to business school i didn't really understand layoffs i thought it was because like the company must have been in real dire financial strain like maybe they wouldn't be able to pay people and like keep going but it is because of greed and i will show you why guess how much google did in profits last quarter like literally take two seconds and guess did you guess 17 billion in profit that's your revenue minus your expenses. It's about though is short-term profits. And so they lay all of us off and what happens? Stock went up 5%. Yep, there you have it. I mean that she is not wrong. No. She's not this wrong. is about the stock price. This is 100%. about the shareholders, the large shareholders. And we talked about this last week when Meta, you know, we talked about it when Meta did it, we talked about it when Microsoft did it. This yep. is about countering for shareholders and large investors the ongoing drop in stock price and creating an air and look this is this is the this is the bargain of work right yep. work doesn't love you back no. no matter how comfortable you feel at any point priorities can change business goals can change stock price can trump a bigger investor can trump the needs of you know your rank and file employees. And that is true. And I'm talking to a lot of friends who are, you know, highly placed at companies who are having to make really, really tough calls right now. And who do kind of want to say to like, this poor woman with the macarons who had a crappy layoff, I'm not going to like say that she didn't that sucks. Yeah. And this is work. This is business. Yeah, it's not personal. It's business. I think Google, I think Google, like, Google, this is a classic Google action in that Google has never been good at people. It is not that surprising to me that they were going to come along and do this like kind of ham fistedly and like screw up the timing a little and just be like, well, you have to turn off the access of the of the person. Yeah, but you also could like announce that you're going to have some layoffs and people have time to prepare it, right? There's there are ways to soften the blow a little bit. It's sort of classically like mm. non EQ Google. This is all about these activists to do investors. It this way. The activist investors see an opportunity to buy these shares mm-hmm. at a very low price. I just opened jtrading.com today and I was like, oh, I beat the market now. Suddenly I'm back in the game. Now I'm mm-hmm. excited to start buying stocks again. It was like really interesting to see my own psychology. Right. The second I see I'm, I'm <laughs> like compared to the market, I'm like, I should place more bets. But I wasn't placing, I did place some bets in the, in the really down market, right? Remember, like it's really hard to make those bets. When things are on the floor and now i'm like why yeah. did i make more bets in the down market i'm sure it'll <laughs> go down again but it's part of the reason i'm trying to be like a, a more active public market investor is to try to understand this 
And I, the best trade I made was the day Facebook decided they would lay people off. And I, I made that trade and it's up 50%, I think. Wow. Uh, in two months, right? Yeah. So there is something here. And if you remember this activist investor named TCI, they gave Sundar this five point plan and they said, you know, hey, and I'm just giving a quote here. We acknowledge that Alphabet employs some of the most talented and brightest computer scientists and engineers, but they represent only a fraction of the employer base. Many employees are performing general sales, marketing, and administrative tasks who should be compensated in line with other technology companies. So this woman who we just saw, who's in sales, this is who TCI was talking about, I think, very specifically. Like, Probably. we just want you to fire people who are in TCI's mind, I'm not saying in reality overcompensated mm -hmm. and um there's and, and this is the chart that they showed like here's the median here's microsoft here's alphabet and microsoft obviously did theirs what's also stunning is they they let go of people who've been there for 10 15 years i saw yeah. somebody 16 and a half years at google and they should have i think taken a different approach with anybody over 10 years i think so too um, i think they should have had people with under over 10 years they should have brought them into a room and said your time at google's coming to a close um, we want to celebrate you for the next 60 days. You have the option to wrap things up, whatever, and had a different path for them, probably. But yeah. uh, I kind of think, think so too. Like, I, yeah. I just, there is a way to do this that that is a conscious uncoupling of your employment, right? That like makes people understand that this is a business priority. This is a change. This is like, this. these are things that have to happen. We're sad we've treated you with respect. Like, that we're going to look at, you know, in a year or two, we're going to look around and some and look at the the kind of like the Twitter effect and talk about the companies that treated their departing employees with respect and acknowledge their role in creating the entitlement culture and the ones who were just like, we're done with that now. Goodbye. Yeah. And booted them right on there. You know, don't let the door hit you. You know, these companies can run with a, a, a much smaller footprint. And if that's what these TCIs of the world, if that's what the Brad Gerstners of the world want in order to buy the shares in the company again, that's what's gonna management happen. will eventually acquiesce. And that's what we're seeing here. The only company that has it is Apple, which was very slow in adding people. Um, but TCI was not pleased with the 12,000. <laughs> so as hardcore as Sundar went, um, here's they wanted more. Christopher Hahn of TCI uh said to S sundar i'm encouraged to see that you're now taking some actions to right size alphabet's cost base and understand that is never an easy decision to let people go okay decision cut 12,000 is a step in the right direction it does not reverse alphabet's headcount growth in 2022 ultimately management will need to go further Han i mean it's believes true they added reduce the amount of employees to 150 bring them to 2021 and address excessive employee compensation he thinks they should pay people less i let's do go back though and put a file put a little spotlight on the fact that the median mm -hmm. compensation at median. google is three hundred thousand dollars the median. median so Meaning, if you put a hundred employee put a hundred employees number 50 would be this the, the one right in the middle median yeah not average because you have some huge paid people there uh like ceos and management but the median yeah i mean it's bonkers 67 percent um, higher than microsoft yeah. Like, that's pretty nutty. It's pretty nutty. Um, one thing to take in, to, you know, to realize here, uh, as people deal with this cognitive dissonance, right. um, two things. Number one, 
you as an employee at Google are part of the machine, you know this. They look at you like any other expense item, slightly more than the nut milk or the office space <laughs> or the servers, certainly, right? But ultimately, TCI and these other places do not. No. They look at you as a line item. And they've ana analyzed the line item and said, too much, uh, just enough servers, too much nut milk, too many non-technical people, wh whatever it is. They're just looking at it like, private equity, you know, market participants who are picking one stock over another. And and they've deemed, you know, a number here. And then everybody who is part of that number now has to, um, you know, deal with this cognitive dissonance. But how you frame it as an individual, I think is what's critically important. You could frame it as, um, I am no good. Uh, they only let go of this small percentage of people. And therefore, I was let go. You could also say, well, I negotiated an incredible salary for a large number of years was amongst the highest paid in the world mm -hmm. at my profession. Mm -hmm. So I did a great job of negotiating myself out of the job. Mm -hmm. I was one of the first people let go because I did such an amazing job, you know, uh, getting comp compensated. And so you could take a very positive view of it. Yeah, um, in that way. And then you could also take a positive view of this, as I said, on Twitter, which is really tweaking for a certain group of people. And I kind of made the tweet for that reason. Yeah, you <laughs> did. Like being honest. Yeah, you I was like, did. Oh, 10,000 people laid off. Uh, three founders per 3000 new startups, you have six to 12 to 18 months of runway, go find two of your cohorts and do a revenge startup. Now, will everybody do that? Is everybody in a position to do that? Obviously not people. Well, not everybody's not an entrepreneur. Start a company. Exactly. Like it's a entrepreneurs. What is it? Six or seven? There was that story that was like, there's a genetic predisposition toward becoming a founder. And they were like, it's six Maybe. or 7% of the population. Maybe I, that might like, be we true. We do have to acknowledge that most people are simply not like of that cloth. I think all people could be though. Yeah. So while most I mean, I like that outlook, all could. Yeah. And, and that's where I get myself in trouble on the social media. Cause I actually believe all people could do it. Cause I've watched all kinds I mean, of people. I do think it. if you said that actually it would be pretty inspiring. It's the part that. Oh, well, no, I think folks. people have to <laughs> take that head on. If the surplus elites term is a little bit jarring, I think for people, but I think people should own it. Like you are, if you now push everybody to a remote culture, what you've done is you've said, okay, learn how to manage people remote. Great. Congratulations. You won that battle. Now you're up against people in Canada. You're up against people in Manila, San Paulo. That's the back channel I heard too, as well was, you know, Microsoft has many offices around the world and it's a lot cheaper in those international offices to hire and find, you know, high quality tech talent. So that's the other thing that's happened, I think here. Yeah. Which well, other video should we play? I, I mean, I like, we should play the one who is the Google employee who is basically like, yeah, we've spent, we have, we, Google created an arms race for spending and coddling mm -hmm. that cool. we do, in fact, need to reverse. Like you had sort of a more of an analysis about it. Okay, let's hear it. 12,000 employees were laid off today at Google. I was lucky enough to not be one of those 12,000, but I think the fact that this happened signals a huge shift in the tech industry as a whole in the next few years. Historically, Google has been one of those rest invest companies. You go there towards the middle or end of your career. They have great culture, great perks, great pay and you ride it out till the end. You're not gonna have to overwork yourself like you will at some other companies and you're gonna get to work on things that ideally you enjoy working on. 
I think Google breaking precedent and doing these layoffs despite the image that they've historically had is big because it shows that at a ton of these big companies, the problems that need solving are towards the end of their lifespan. Think of Instagram, for example. How do you handle someone with 100 million followers like a Kim Kardashian? That's a huge engineering problem, but now that's solvable and a ton of companies know how to do that. It's common knowledge you can figure it out on the internet for free. So I think we're gonna see a shift. A lot of these traditional companies need engineers for maintenance, but they don't need a ton of engineers to improve anything really, because we're at the max of what this technology can be. So I think I think the shift is going to be over to AI, ChatGPT, its parent company, OpenAI, and a lot of those companies are going to become the new rocket ships that people are going to want to ride to the top. I know it wasn't just Google that was affected. A ton of employees from really great companies uh, were also affected. So all the best to everyone in the job market right now. Use the comments to reach out. Uh, if you're hiring, let people know. If you're looking, let people know. Um, but I think we're going to see a huge shift in the tech industry in 2023. Your I, reaction, think Molly. I think that's what, also what do you think is the great. most interesting part yeah. first of all i love him how darling is he like if you're in the comments like let people know you're hiring very sweet yeah I, I mean i think he makes such an outstanding executive point which is that companies hired for the business they were building when building that business was really hard yep. the technology it took to build those businesses i mean like you know my opinion on learn to code yeah don't bother mm. machines will be doing that any minute now so they hired for the companies they were building then they don't need as many people. Hmm. The technology is not as hard. The technology yeah. itself is commoditized and the businesses are mature. So these yes. are now growth companies instead of high growth companies, but they have high growth numbers of employees. But honestly, I keep going back to the fact that so many of those employees, that more than 12,000 of those employees were added in 2022. This Crazy. is where I think there was massive leadership failure at these companies to be like, yeah, hot damn. When this happens, people tend to point fingers and try to like find, you know, somebody who's wrong in all of this. Mm -hmm. I think this guy nailed it. Yeah. A lot of the problems, like how do you scale servers? You know, how do you make a feed of all the followers, all that stuff? Like these were very hard technical things. You put hundreds of engineers on it and now it's like, oh no, you can just use this piece of software. There's a cloud software for that. There's an open source kit. Boom, press a button. It's done. Yeah. Um, you nailed and it. So and milking. we're transitioning to a totally new type of business maybe. Yeah, with AI and the all the people who are here working on like creator stuff. That's not what we do anymore, maybe. And milk it for profits, you know, at the end of AOL's lifespan, when they had millions of people or, you know, they peaked at 30 million people paying 30 bucks a month. Pretty incredible, you know, over $10 billion a year in access fees for dial up. Towards the end, they just they laid off a ton of people. And they just would milk hundreds of millions of dollars in profits per month. Yeah, out of the AOL dial-up business, and then reinvested in content businesses that they bought, uh, including my own. And so, you know, it's he's not wrong here. When you get to the end of a, a cycle, you want to milk Google Search or Chrome or Google Docs or YouTube. You want to milk it for profits, and mm -hmm. that was, I think, one of the other problems here is everybody was. What I saw in a lot of the videos is like, I don't understand. My my report was great. My review was great. I hit all my numbers. We hit our numbers collectively. Why am I losing my job? And it's like, we need to be more profitable going into right. uh, a recession, et cetera. And yes, I'm sorry to tell you, everybody, $17 billion in profit is not enough for, for late stage capitalism. It's just not. Well, I mean, it has to grow. And if your so stock price thing. is not going up, exactly. That yeah. number has to keep going up. That's the deal. Up. 
Yes. I'm sorry that's the deal. It can be very frustrating. We all yes. agree there are things that are very frustrating about late stage American capitalism, but that is a freaking deal. I do think what we're going to see here is like perhaps we just witnessed peak employment. Like a, a peak employment moment in I mean, the history of humanity. Yeah, actually. Like, you know, the idea that people could be this incredibly compensated and this incredibly coddled, um, they're no fault of their own. Again, it's a free market. Uh, mm -hmm. People participated in this uh, on the buy side, you know, um, willingly. But I think this might have been peak. And now with this globalization that's occurring through remote work, globalization kind of changes everything. Uh, and And AI. And AI is just going to accelerate it even more. I mean, I, those I think, two like, things, those two tides yeah. are crashing together right now. Yeah. In the perfect storm. My understanding is like when people use one of these GitHub, like auto completing, suggesting development tools, that it's starting to have like a 10, 20, 30% impact on people, yeah. making them that much faster. And so you might not need as many developers you certainly don't need it to maintain a product, but even creating new product, it might take a much smaller number of developers to make really interesting uh, things. Um, Agreed. And then there's a rumor going on Silicon Valley that Sergey and Larry are coming back. That's the Do rumor. we have thoughts on that rumor? I think... I think uh, a lot. I think a big earthquake just hit Google. And that earthquake is named ChatGPT. Like, <laughs> no, I do not. I think they thought they had all the time in the world to keep on incubating the cool yeah. stuff, the D-mine, the whatever, and it was like, all of a sudden, you don't. Listen, you know I'm a bulldog guy, but us dog owners, we've been totally spoiled with the ridiculous number of dog sitting and dog walking apps that are out there today. There are a ton of places to get a great dog walker or to have somebody watch your dog when you're away on a business trip on a ski trip, whatever it is. But what about my cat people? Well, I've got the perfect solution for you. It's called Meowtow. It is the number one cat sitting app available right now for you on iOS and Android. Meowtow sitters have over 60,000 five-star reviews from happy cat parents. And they really are parents. You know cat people. And you're probably one of them. All sitters are fully vetted and insured. And they offer once or twice daily drop-in visits or overnight stays in your home so that your cat's can enjoy playtime and cuddles in the comfort of their regular environment. A meet and greet is included with each reservation so you can ensure the perfect fit. And your sitter will send detailed updates and photos of each visit to let you know how your feline friend is doing. Meowtel provides a 100% satisfaction guarantee and a team of support specialists will help make sure you have a perfect experience. So here is your call to action. Use the code TWIST25 for $25 off your first booking. That's Twist25 for 25% off at Meowtel. M-E-O-W-T-E-L. Go ahead, search for it in the App Store. OpenAI just codified the partnership with Microsoft mm -hmm. like as we were getting on air. And so all the stuff we've been talking about over the past couple of weeks about, hey, this was an, a non-profit company, for-profit company. Basically, that's been answered. Um, yeah. uh, there was a series of blog posts today. They're going to have OpenAI um as a for-profit company that is owned somali maybe you could tee this up for us just what's going on now with open ai and microsoft yeah so their deal so basically uh, a new blog post came out today from open ai and microsoft that actually just codifies a lot of the stuff we already told you um it's stuff we've been seeing over the past few weeks for example microsoft and open ai worked together to build supercomputing systems powered by azure 
which OpenAI uses to train all their models. We told you some of that. Microsoft will increase its investment in Azure systems to accelerate OpenAI's independent research. We told you that. Azure will remain the exclusive cloud provider for all OpenAI workloads across its research APIs and products. And then OpenAI is focused on learning from real world use of the products. Now, this is one of the things that we didn't tell you. It is fairly obvious because for OpenAI to continue to get smarter, it's going to need to interact with the real world. But I would say that even though this is sort of like a bland little line in that blog post, that's the headline. That's the thing that's going to go one of two ways. It's either going to be like the time that Microsoft released that chatbot that immediately became like the most racist mega grandpa you ever met. Or OpenAI is going to get smarter and smarter and smarter in a safe and health way that's healthy for society. But like well, reinforcement learning, I think, is the uh, term yeah. of art RL. Yeah. And it's an area of machine learning. Uh, and so you take actions making your PowerPoint, it learns just like sometimes if you do a Google search, it might ask you like, did this give you an answer? How good was this answer? Or ChatGPT asks you how good was this answer? So that reinforcement learning that'll happen over time, uh, people driving through certain in a self driving sense, uh, in a self driving AI, how do people take this particularly gnarly uh, traffic circle? Well, if you have a million people navigate the traffic circle, you, know, you can kind of infer some behaviors. And if there's accidents, you can infer uh, solutions for it. So, yeah. but that's a, I think it a is also open AI, like starting to now get trained on real world, constantly yeah. incoming data. And that's a big, that's a big shift. I don't know if that's going to be reflected in its interface in chat GPT. Yeah. Um, but to the extent that it is, it makes it one way more useful, right? No more of those, like my information stopped at 2021, or I can't give you any information about individuals. Like when you like, chat GPT yourself. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I can't tell you anything about yourself. It, it'll be really, really interesting to see what that interface starts to look like. Once the whole fire hose of internet, maybe not the whole thing, but more of it is turned on. And I think chat GPT is floating this $42 per month premium version. I think the $42 a month premium version is, you know, for 600 bucks a year or whatever it winds up being for a business individual. Uh, you know, it's like, do you need a researcher? Do you need a personal assistant? If they can actually do things like book hotels for you or, you know, what we thought would happen with what were called intelligent agents back in the day, this mm -hmm. could be quite transformative. So people are starting to see some solicitation. People are posting screenshots. Um, and I, I told people earlier, I'd taken the survey to become a chat GPT pro user. Uh, and I put my pricing at 50 bucks a month. So it seems like they're going with 420. I'm yeah. sorry, 42 uh, dollars and zero cents. <laughs> seems like the pricing is getting Just pretty predictable can't. in our market. It seems uh, to be. Um, OpenAI, speaking of pricing, will remain, they confirmed, uh, OpenAI will remain a capped profit company. Returns for mm -hmm. the first round of investors are capped at 100x mm -hmm. investment. Uh, Microsoft will invest that $10 billion. Remember, we reported this at a $29 billion valuation and get 75% of OpenAI's profits until it recoups that 10 billion and then after they, that it'll if they ever have to, profits if they ever have profits yeah that's not revenue that's profits right so if they have a 20 percent margin they have to make 50 billion in profits for no more they big more than that because they only get 75 percent of them so yeah um fascinating uh, yeah congrats to microsoft and i think you know the rumors based on my sources are true that uh larry and sergey will be spending more time at google this is what I've heard. 
Yeah. Um, that's a fire. That fire got That would lit. be great. It'd be great to have them super engaged and thinking about how to manifest this stuff into a product that actually generates revenue. At the core of Google's success, you have to remember, is the Google click-based ad network. The search and the spider and page rank, all of that was incredible. That was the use case. Then there was a business case, uh, you know, a way to monetize that, which was also in sync. We have to see if ChatGPT can come up with something for that. It might be, you know, just a subscription model. And who in the world is not going to pay $42 a month, $600 a year? Anybody who makes even but $20 an hour, that's only 30 hours a year. If this makes you, if a person works 2,000 hours a year, you need only be 15% more effective to hit the break even point. Right. So just to go to that math, mm-hmm. $20 an hour divided into $600 a year for ChatGPT or an, a competitive product is 30 hours. Average human uh, puts in 50, 40 hours a week times 50 weeks, 2000 hours a year, 30 hours. So it's like even a fraction of them. It's not mm-hmm. even, not even 300, it's not 15%. It's 1.5, 1.5% of your year. Like you're certainly going to be more than 1.5 more percent or 5% more efficient with efficient. a chat GPT like service. And that, friends, is the back of the envelope math that gets you to <laughs> point two to round two of peak employment. <laughs> peak employment, may have, it might be a peak. Oil. Remember peak oil? We're going to hit peak oil. I have this is I haven't I have only written half of it so far. But the title of my forthcoming newsletter this week is don't learn to code, learn to wire, like mm. become an electrician. Now is the time <laughs> to do that. Uh, Mollywood.substack.com. That's right. That's right. Uh, and I, I did see across the wire that activist investor Elliot Management made a multi-billion dollar was making in Salesforce. So Elliot Management um, has, by the way, is the activist investor that instigated Jack Dorsey's departure in some ways as CEO of Twitter, certainly stopped him from like goofing off to Africa for a year to run yeah. the company from Moving there. Moving to Africa, yeah. <laughs> Moving to Africa. Um, Elliot has taken a quote multi or made a multi-billion dollar investment in Salesforce. According to Wall Street Journal sources, Salesforce has $156 billion market cap. So assuming a, you know, single digit percentage ownership, but, uh, Elliot is not the first apparently activist Mm. investor to come in. Another one came in saying, uh, that they were worried about it margins and, Mm overall profitability elliot usually asks for things like board representation pushes for operational improvements like changing up sales and executives starboard value is the one that came in in october and said uh that the company had a valuation discount because of the subpar mix of growth and profitability and i think this is so dishy because as you know i think something's going on at salesforce and to be honest i've had a decade of like spidey senses about this company like i'm like they feel like they make too much money and I can't quite tell how, even though I understand the pricing model. Salesforce isn't cheap. You know, it's, uh, they charge, they have, they have a lot of SaaS products they've bought over time. Subscriptions yeah. were a booming business. Um, now people are tightening their belts. Their customers might be renegotiating contracts. So there's going to be, um, saturation. Saturation has occurred, as you said. Yeah. So that, that cycle is well underway. This means more layoffs. I mean, let's just call it what it is. They, oh, they said there's a layoff of 10,000. I think this means like, you know, maybe, 20. Yeah, maybe it means 20. Uh, and that's really the only cost they have. I mean, it's real estate, et cetera. But, you know, the reoccurring cost of highly paid tech employees is now these activist investors, they smell blood in the water. 
I think that's what's happening here. The sharks smell blood in the water. Oh, yeah. These companies are underpriced. They could be highly profitable if they cut even deeper. And let's see, um, is in their mind, they're like, let's see if you put another 10,000 people out of the, a job and we have 20,000 laid off Salesforce employees, what this looks like. I wonder and if we see like a, a Slack. I mean, Salesforce also went on a big buying spree. I wonder if we see like a Slack go back up on the block. Problem with that would be, I think it's doing decent revenue. And so you might just want to operate Maybe. it for, you know, to continue to get That's, profits from it. I guess I sort of feel like at some point other than the stock bump, mm -hmm. I mean, granted, we're talking about tens and tens of, in some cases, hundreds of thousands of employees, but like how much marginal savings can you actually accomplish over time with cuts? Like some, but if an Elliott management is wanting growth in the bees, they, they could cut half the staff. Um, that, that's the truth in a lot of but the that's businesses. what they would have to cut right to, uh, to really no. have a meaningful 20% would have meaningful yeah like because it all that just throws right to the bottom line right after three months or six months of the severance payments once that gets washed out and so I think what people are doing is they're making two bets the economy comes back you know in three or four quarters we start right. to see growth in the economy right. and you make these cuts and so then the cuts come and they hit let's say two, three, four quarters out, and the economy comes back three, four, five quarters out, you have two tailwinds. Mm -hmm. You lowered costs and revenue started to grow again. So I think this is why savvy shark-like investors are making these bets now. Right. That makes sense. Yep. All right. Well, that's what's two happening ways to win. Uh, at Salesforce. And then <laughs> we got to do this quick. We live in the future. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I saw this go by my feed. NVIDIA. Um, what has broadcasting software so i just downloaded it on my windows machine on my dell um it's called nvidia broadcast 1.4 uh but they had this really cool feature where it will change your eyes to make <laughs> you look into the camera perfectly and so here watch this video it's kind of this one is pretty good you'll see his eyeballs if you're watching are staring directly into the camera instead of reading a script like i'm doing now uh, or like reading another monitor off to my right and and it's not notice, real it's not real do you notice his uh pupils seem a little bigger yeah um also slightly pretty close slightly so, fixed and terrifying because well and the only reason it's fixed and terrifying is because he's reading right you make a different like you don't if you're just making eye contact with someone you look away occasionally or you kind of look mm -hmm. down you you know it looks unnatural because he's reading a script with a sort of a fixed gaze uh, and yeah, then that and fixed that gaze yeah. is right at the camera. So then it starts to be like, oh, bro, okay, you are really staring me down right now. But let's not gloss over the fact that AI made his eyeballs look at the camera instead of off of the screen. Like, that is what? Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, what? You're going to, you know, the, the uncanny valley is here. This is just on desktops. You know, like we talked about Luke Skywalker appearing in Mandalorian or de-aging uh, in the Obi-Wan series. Like, all this technology is kind of the same. And so you can touch up your appearance in Zoom. NVIDIA lets you look directly into the camera. I mean, all these things are going to the point where you're going to, you know, be able to do all of this at a operating system level. So when you use something like this NVIDIA one, it rechannels your camera basically and your audio. So your speaker and your 
video, when you're using Zoom, Microsoft Teams, Discord, Slack, you know, we use huddles, you can basically feed in your NVIDIA studio. So kind of cool how it works, you know, instead of picking whatever your current camera is, creates that new input of like, here's the NVIDIA camera. It's pretty neat. It, is, it really is. I mean, honestly, because so many now, especially that we're doing so much live streaming or video conferencing or, you know, presentations, like we're doing meetings that involve notes. And it's so it's hard to figure out where to look like we have cameras positioned above our monitor so that it looks like there's a natural eye line as I'm like talking to you, the audience, for example. But if I have to look down at my notes, then I'm like, um, looking down here and, and I could conceivably you would never notice the difference between me talking directly to you via camera and me glancing down at my notes to read that it's broadcast 1.4. It's pretty neat. Uh, it also on top of the eye contact, it does um pretty cool feature where if you move around in the frame, it will recenter you. So for people who are doing a live stream, like if they're DJing, or they're a video gamer, and I go to the left here, I go to the right, it just recenters you even if you're moving as if a camera operator was tracking you. Pretty neat feature um, to have tracking built in. Um, yeah, so it's a neat piece of software. And I think it's just the beginning. So I'll be the built future. into the operating system. Yeah, it's pretty bananas. Pretty bananas, friends. See you yep, soon. You won't need us. Okay. Thanks, everybody. Uh, on that creepy, uncanny valley note, we are going to leave. Uh, as far as I know, we will not be replaced by AI. We should be, in Never fact, know. back here tomorrow. But yeah, the AI might be so good that you can't even tell. It'd be great if the AI could get rid of this raspy voice in real time and just make me not seem sick. Uh, <laughs> if you want to help out the show, uh, fill out the uh, listener survey. Thisweekinstartups.com slash survey. I'm going to give 10 people a $50 gift card uh, from Amazon uh, for filling out the gift card. Thisweekinstartups.com slash survey. Fill it out completely. It takes a couple minutes and it helps us when we sell ads, uh, which then helps us keep the show uh, thriving. Yeah. You want us here every day, right? You don't want an AI. Fill out the survey. Fill out the survey. <laughs> yeah. Have All your right. AI fill out the survey. <laughs> there you uh, go. Don't, please don't lie to. on the survey. With, please don't, don't have a computer survey. lie for you. Uh, I mean, we'll eventually, uh, your AI may actually might actually do a better job on surveys. I mean, ChatGPT like makes up all kinds of lies, apparently, which is hysterical. <laughs> uh, chat. I mean, it's going to be very interesting when your doctor's uh, AI talks to your AI about like your health plan. I think that's going to be like the next piece of this. Everybody has got to. You have to all go read a Diamond Age or Diamond Age by Neil Stevenson because it is like the perfect. It shows you what this is going to look like when we all have what is effectively a tablet. It's called a lady's primer. That's just our like constant companion and informational butler. There you have it. All right, all everybody. Right. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.